horror 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 movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's make our movie? I wonder what we'll be like then. Brains in jars, I'm gonna guess. We're a long way for God knows, son. Slowly Coming out of his mouth. Crawling out yeah, of his mouth, distraction his skin. Right. So he doesn't save them, the bridge goes down, people die, and he's like, oh well, job done. Clarence. Can yeah. we try to take two again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is maybe don't trust sentient hats to make life-changing decisions, <laughs> but... Thanks for your correspondence, Jatops. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the Smike and Aura movie. <laughs> Podcast. Hello, I'm John. And I'm Dave, and that was... Who was that, John? Was oh, that was, um, that, that was Paulie. Paulie. Yeah, old Paulie. I've heard you talk yeah. about Paulie before, yeah, but Paulie I never put a name. It's good to be... Yeah, Paulie from Dudley or Paulie Dudley? Paulie Dudley. Paulie Dudley. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's an awkward. Is yeah. Was he christened Paulie or just Paul? Um, he was christened Paulie. <sighs> so they knew they were doing the double yeah. Y to him. They knew yeah. it. Yeah. Fucking hell. Parents, eh? <laughs> Awful. Well, thanks to Paulie Dudley. Yeah, yeah, all the way from... Mr. Somewhere D. else in Birmingham, presumably, other than... No, Dudley. I think he's from Cornwall. Cornwall? <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> just maybe, just plays into yeah. the Birmingham accent because, yeah, yeah. because of his name. He loves a whole kind of cultural output yeah, from yeah, that yeah. area. Classic Paulie yeah. Dudley. Well, I mean, I've heard all the stories. Yeah. You tell me all the time. Anyway, look, folks, welcome... <laughs> <laughs> welcome... Hello. ...to the fortnightly horror podcast called Let's Make a Horror Movie. Yep. Which I you mean, probably know because you've already... Yeah, unless you're, really, unless you're doing it blind. Unless you're true, they may hey, they may be visually yeah. impaired. I I just meant when you do Listen. kind of like roll a dice on a podcast and click on it. Right. Well, Good if you did that, that, welcome, and you're gonna stay because we're gonna <laughs> use a lot of subliminal techniques. Yeah. To to make that happen. So anyway, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. This is a fortnightly horror podcast where every fortnight one of us, that's myself and John, yep. will write and pitch an all new and original horror movie, never been done before idea to the other one and the other one will sort of add to it throw in ideas build on it build go on it. that doesn't work put that in what's exactly. that about and then once that's happened we then open it up to you guys the audience yeah. and then you write in and then the following episode we'll update the idea and that's the movie uh, yeah. and then we'll all share in the spoils and the movies come out usually within a year <laughs> usually <laughs> yeah that's right that's yeah. been putting in like, like the whole covid thing. that's it yeah covid really stopped delays. our, our yeah. production house from getting them out the door yeah. That's the only, that's been the, the one teething <laughs> that's issue. That's the true tragedy of all this. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. Uh, the podcast is in four acts. In the first act, John, we... We got feedback. We get feedback from last episode. From the audience at large. Exactly. So we'll see what they've got to say. Act two, John and I will take a turn around the cultural grounds of horror mm. and horror-like things. Usually movies, but it can be books. Can, can be, be music. Yeah. Can be other things. Could be horror food. Yeah. Horror eggs. <laughs> it it could be a thing, yeah. yeah. Um, and Act Three is the pitch itself. That's that's the, why we're all here. That's the that's everything it. else is all preamble and fun, but that's why we turned up. Yeah, exactly. Everything else is your your ten percent free. Your Act Three is it's the, all your garlic bread, right? That's and your that's item your you're buying for. And Act Four is the little name search, a little bit of a post mortem on the yeah. pitch, and also probably often a chunk of nonsense. Yeah, depending, chips and giggles, depending on how long the edit <laughs> comes out <laughs> yeah. as. Because if the pitch is too long, and frankly, today's, is I think it one? might be my longest ever. Ooh. So I'm going to be talking um, double speed. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be talking like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be talking like this all the way through. It's Monday. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. So you get it. Yeah. Everyone else got that? Cool. So welcome. <laughs> if you haven't been before, 
Um, another tight intro. The tight. Yep. Perfect. Super tight. Yep. yep. Scripted. Right, just by Tony's the Tony's waving intro. at us from the booth. He's yep. giving us the thumbs up. That obviously means it's one of the good intros. Cheer, Tone. Thanks, Tony. Oh, a late See change. You. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> where's, where's Paulie gone? <laughs> Fucking hell, Paulie, mate. Thanks for your pages. Paulie, wait, wait, wait. Mate, did you? Is he not listening to the podcast? I paid him a fucking pony to he be stays, here. He does the intro. He does the intro to the first act, the second act, the third act, and the fourth yeah. act. That's how it works. Mate, we know this. He's already gone. Fucking he's hell! Got his, he's got his coat on. He's got his park uh, on. Tony, do you uh, you want to step in and do that? <laughs> that one? Come on, Tony. Got a mic. Don't be nervous. What? What? That's what? That's welcome to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. We've had a guest like Tony before, like voice-wise, so that's Flated. why that's why we've not used him really before. Oh, of course. Um, but he is definitely a different guy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean... There's more than one person in London, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Get off my back, right? <laughs> Guys, leave him. He's a fucking hair trigger, man. <laughs> right. This is the part of the show where we get feedback on mm-hmm. last episode's pitch which was yours yeah which was my darkest one yet and some would say unpleasant let's see what but the feedback you know sometimes the world has no meaning well that's true can't all be unicorns <laughs> I mean it can be some unicorns but also sometimes it's people just like rupturing from surgical scars fucking hell <laughs> it's in the pitch right? yeah, yeah, it's in the pitch yeah. no from unicorns to that it's just a big jump we're saying that the world has got a lot of things in it's it it's got a lot yeah. it's, it's, it's also got Maltesers <laughs> yeah no one talks enough about them I do oh, I love a Maltese oh they're mate. good oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't, know don't know if you don't know if the, if the old fans spotted that oh, the biscuit though right <laughs> like you don't get Maltese biscuit in anything else no. that I'm aware it's, of it's, it's, not so like, it's not like you're eating Maltesers going yeah. this is just like mm. something else with chocolate on it yeah yeah it's not it's nothing, it's, like nothing else it's, like uh, that, it's unique yeah what a lot of people don't realise, yeah. and I shouldn't really be saying this, because no you know we've got we've got sort of deep throat connection, yeah, haven't yeah. we? In the yeah. MI five and six, <laughs> I can't remember which one it is. But yeah. Maltesers are actually so the company that makes them actually back in the day they figured out that they're basically long story short they're small universes. Ah, yeah, you like, can taste so it, it just contains, can and that's why there is literally it's like a quantum physics thing that they figured out. Yeah. I'm not I'm not an expert. That gives it that sort of like melt. And the crunch. And the crunch. And the yeah. crunch. Yeah. Billions, if not trillions, from trillions of tiny lives. That's why I always weep when I eat them. But <laughs> I've never known why before now. Anyway, so <laughs> that's just a little, you know, fact of the day. Le Pod fact. Yeah. Get that off on the website. Look. Maltesers, thumbs up. Right, so first in the feedback queue yeah. is our North of the Wall Mothman-educated Scottish correspondent, mm-hmm. J-Dubs. Hello, J-Dubs. His email is entitled, No Letdowns. Ooh, no, no, I'm, I'm pleased. I, know. I, 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 I'm, I think that means he likes it. <laughs> Mate, talk about counting your fucking chickens. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally about to read what he's going like, to say. No you No lit downs unless he's oh, like, apart man, from You're the like pitch. that Florida governor. He's like, where are all the fucking COVID cases Mate, then, you why idiots? Why is everybody saying that to me these days? <laughs> <laughs> Can't go anywhere. Um, right. He says, so, one week on from being kindly acknowledged as having a pseudo role on the good ship Lamam, and I hit you with an 11th hour email. Apologies. That said, welcome to some or all of your chips. Yeah. <laughs> so he's referring to your analogy that I took a long time to figure out yep. from last episode. <laughs> uh, regarding feedback on feedback, thanks, John. You always provide the required context to my casting. 
I mean, I put the onus on us to remember what the fuck that's in <laughs> reference to. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Moving on. Other listeners yeah. who are probably better acquainted with our yeah. last episode. Basically, John's very clever. They're giggling. They're giggling right now. So perceptive. Regarding the orphanage, don't worry, Dave. I have purchased a huge stock of VHS. I'm telling you this tech is on its way back. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it probably is, actually. Alongside the publishing. You can actually buy horror movies now on VHS. It's a big thing. <laughs> no, it's true. That really is true. Right. Like, re-releasing them on Yeah, yeah. And then you, you, you get, like, the Blu-ray and you get the VHS of it. Just looks nice on the shelf, I think. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. I mean, could just have the box. You could just have the box, Could just yeah. have the box. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't you? Because who the fuck's pulling the VHS player out? I don't know. Anyway, don't, look. I, yeah, if we look, can just a whole don't, hole. don't light the fire yeah. under the dynamite drone. <laughs> it's, it's one of those days. Yeah. <laughs> Find straight ups. Nice straight ups. <laughs> Check the website. Just get some old teasers. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you can use them and their quantum yeah. power. If nothing else to... is true, buy more teasers. Yeah. <laughs> a uh, universe in every bite. <laughs> a universe in every A trillion debts in every bite. <laughs> Regarding Bob Schlorfendahl, can you get me an autograph? What a legend. Um, so, just for anyone that needs context to trade us, hasn't provided yeah. in the written yeah. email. Bob Schlorfendahl is the inventor of podcasting. Of course. And he's the guest editor of the Podcasters Podcaster, which... Anyway, look. <laughs> We're getting in the weeds getting, this. getting tied up in knots. Regarding the pitch, here we go. This is, this is the bit. I think the words bleak and nihilist were used, and I think that felt like the tip of the grim iceberg to me. Nice. I'm I am a self-confessed non-horror watcher. Q gasps in the <gasps> non-completest audience. And as such, Pertwee aside, I have to say that there wasn't much in this for me. <laughs> <laughs> the upside of this statement would be that this probably offers up one of the most pure horror pictures to date. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. My tendencies would be to uncover more of the myth and lore around the actual fucking devil rocking up to a hospital to mess with people. Mm -hmm. There's a goldmine of hints you could layer in before the reveal, yeah, which yeah. would have built additional tension before a potential plot bombshell. Yeah, that makes sense. Given the pure horror nature of the plot, there didn't seem to be particular classic plot points or character arc. Nope. That said... That's I for cowards. <laughs> That's for cowards. Most people aren't brave enough to nah, go there, yeah. Nah. That said, I like the idea of the myriad of stories being played out across the hospital, so it's more of a wide tapestry of characters than one person's journey. Oh, thank you very much. Maybe, uh, I mean, like, the fact that it's happening to a lot of people is nice to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, when more people get killed with every Maltesers bite, Right, he says, regarding Umbridge, I have to agree she is one of the best of Harry's foes. Her desire for power and control being her motivation rather than just being some mindless monster. She is a true see you next Tuesday. Yep. I'm using a code word. Yeah, yeah, cleverly done. <laughs> just because I want to maintain a um, every second episode cadence. Yes, of course. Yes, spread them out. For C words. Peace and love, J-dubs. Thank you very much. M.A. Creepers Peepers 2003. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well earned, I would say. Anyway, so... Um, so, yeah, Michael's um, feedback was, you weave a beautifully disturbing tale that I fully enjoyed. So thank you for that. It's very nice. I do agree with Dave that in, you might need some light or chance of a happy ending, even if it is ripped away at the end. Now, that I do like. Because, really, the, the pitch is just like a descent. Mm. Whereas maybe if there was like a glimmer of hope it turned out to be a train, that's the better way of doing it. <laughs> And, and yeah. maybe that, that minimally been... still grim you still yeah. get the same outcome oh yeah I mean no the outcome stays yeah <laughs> I walk if the outcome's different another possibility is that some of your main characters start to do bad things to others for them to survive what is still a very bleak ending 
would give them a chance to battle with their own moral compass, especially being doctors and nurses. Which I do quite like. Mm. I quite like that idea. I think that's quite a smart idea where maybe they do damn themselves throughout this. We also, last episode, asked for titles for me to write a picture. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we did. Michael's got one, and the title is <laughs> Keep Grandma Off the Beans. <laughs> so I've already got a couple of ideas, and that's nice. what I'm doing next time. Nice. I can't remember. I did throw one at you in the episode last I week, think but I can't, I can't remember, remember what it was. Uh, I'll re-listen to it. and I'll... Re-listen. Go back, listeners. Go back yeah. and enjoy episode 24. Yeah. So And also, next pitch will be called Keep Grandma Off the Beans. Are you doing it next? Yeah, I think not so. even giving yourself a build-up. You're just nah, going straight, straight in. for the beans, straight, in. Yeah, straight sure, for straight Granny's beans. beans. <laughs> Fair enough. Straight for Granny's string beans, everyone. Yeah. It does seem that that pitch shook a lot of people off. So I apologise, but also, eh, I well, enjoyed yeah, it. No, look, there's always, I really enjoyed writing. There's it. always a new pitch. There's always a new episode coming out. So it's like yeah. you know, they're not all going to hit them off. No, guys, just um, come back next time. Grandma might survive. <laughs> the beans won't. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, You're going to have not... Grandma's beans removed from her. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to be bean left standing, mate. Not if I'm writing it. Right. <laughs> uh, buy beans. <laughs> <laughs> buy lots of beans. Well, lads, thanks for sticking about. You've, uh, you've ended up at uh, Act 2, innit? That's the uh, cultural one, isn't it, lads? Yeah, 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 it is, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Yeah, that is. Yeah, thanks, Tony. He's doing all right, Tony. He's doing all right. He's doing very well, actually. It's because he sits in the booth every week, and yeah. he knows, he know, every, sorry, every fortnight. Yeah. But he's here a week, because he's yeah, yeah. just working hard. He usually on... just playing Mahjong, but it's <laughs> nice that he's paying attention in some way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He fucking loves Mahjong. <laughs> uh, he's always Mahjong. down at the casino with all the grandmas playing it. Tony and, and, and Mahjong go together like Maltesers and Joy. The Maltesers and Joy analogy is a tricky one, because obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, cosmic level death. I can only really acknowledge my own feelings because mm. everyone else isn't really real. Is it real? Because <laughs> you're all shades cast by my light. Yeah, of I've course. I've always said that. Of course, yeah. No, <laughs> you're, we're all just that. figments of yeah. your imagination. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, um, cultural <laughs> stuff, cultural stuff. John, do you want to you yeah, kick us off films. with anything? Quite a few films. I'm going to rattle through them quickly. Woof. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't know why I would. <laughs> To be fair, guys, it just felt I, like it was all going to go very fast. So, sort of yeah. almost preparatory whiffing. Also, I'm wearing shorts this episode, which is a new one, and I think that might explain a lot of days. That's thrown me. That has thrown me off. Yeah, yeah. super nervous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's all giggly <laughs> and coy. He's been touching his hair a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've been hiding behind my face fan. Yeah. Got yeah. one of those little fans just showing my eyes. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah. <laughs> I watched three films this week of merit. Relic, Metamorphosis, and One BR. Metamorphosis, a South Korean exorcism movie. A lot of blood, a lot of over-the-top imagery. Very fun. Sounds good, I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's really good. I like I, a good exorcism movie. Yeah, and the South Koreans are absolutely smashing it these days. Yes. Yeah, um, wait, yes, wait, 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 wait. Let's dwell on this one a bit more. Is it new? Old? Relatively new. Yeah, it's on Shudder. Uh. It came on Shudder a couple of weeks back. Really good. Give it an eight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't feel like you're forced to. <laughs> I mean, that does sound like a great movie, it, though. Oh, I mean, really I, I, I've got a particular soft spot for Catholic uh, horror, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a Catholic, but it just really delivers quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, it really does. Because um, they're obsessed with evil. Oh, yeah, they love it. Oh, they love, it. love a bit yeah, of it. Yeah, it's like milk to a cat. <laughs> Relic is really good. It's in a similar vein to, like, Hereditary, The Midsummer, that kind of, like quite sort of thoughtful horror some genuine scares though mm-hmm. um, not particularly graphic but it's got a fair bit of meaning to it it's fantastic got Emily Mortimer in it it's an Australian movie so 9 out of 10 it's really good 
watch it. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Recent uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah again, new. pretty recent. Um, and also, finally, One BR, which is a fantastic film. I wouldn't you know what. I'm not going to say what it's about. It's just a girl moves into like an apartment complex and stuff happens. On the website, because I already put it on the website, because yeah. both John and I have watched this film independently of one another. Mm. So I knew it was coming. Just saving yeah. time in the edit, trying yeah. to update the website at the same time. But I think I said something along the lines of it's um, a really good exercise in sort of tension and, yeah. and and sort of perseverance against relentless outside pressures. Yes, I yeah, suppose perfect. would be how yeah. I would describe it. I thought it was very strong. The cast were amazing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in it was. All the performances were just yeah. great. And it's smart, smart film. Smart film. Um, kept you guessing. Yeah. Did really just did not know where it was going to go. I suppose you could say it's a psychological thriller horror, but it yeah. does deliver on yeah. you know the bits of gore and violence. They're not. sparing with it, yeah. but it you know when it's used, it's it's really used. Yeah. There's a particular bit with an ear that I yeah. genuinely had to look away from. It's a very purposeful film. Everything seems to have a good point to be there. Um, yeah, ten out of ten for me. Mm. I really enjoyed it. Bobby, my film of the week. Le Mans Pod seal of approval. Yeah, which I've done every episode now. My my film of the fortnight, and that's, <laughs> and that's the latest. And you've just one. done a film of the week, which is, which yeah. is great because we're every fortnight. Unfortunately, I do have a film every week, but you only ever hear about it. Yeah, you only ever hear half of them. Yeah, yeah, because they're like. When you do the other podcasts yeah. in the interim, in the interim week, of course, before Le Mans Pod records, yeah. you just literally sit and talking in the bathroom. Which is called Let's Think About Making a Horror Movie. <laughs> do you have any culture? Oh, well, I, I watched 1BR as well. Of course. And I just said everything. I yeah. thought about it without giving anything away. I could talk about it for a lot longer, but I feel yeah, like uh, the so. longer I talk about it, the more I will give away potential key plot points. Yeah. So, Besides that, fuck, no, not really, man. Hey, Lamamians. Dave here with an unprecedented interruption from Tony's booth. You like the sound of 1BR or Apartment 1BR in the UK? Well, you can rent that on Amazon Prime today. We recommend doing so before our next episode because in said next episode we will be interviewing Alok Mishra and Naomi Grossman, producer and actor respectively for 1BR or Apartment 1BR. We'll be digging behind the scenes a bit, but also getting the lowdown on how you get your horror idea to reality from the proverbial horse's mouth. And there will be spoilers, so do rent it in advance. It's great. That's all, friends. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Tony, do you want to put put the sandwich down? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got lettuce he's got all bit, over his he's got a bit. He's still got a bit. He's got a bit of egg salad on his beard. Yeah, yeah, well, sorry, that's, uh, welcome to track three? Yes, three, mate. Yeah, yeah. three, yeah, fucking hell, come back for your lunch. You, I mean, you're sitting you're in the booth. You're nailing it, he's doing all right. He had the rising inflection of a question, <laughs> which implies, which implies heavily that he was only half really paying. It makes you wonder what he's doing in the booth. I don't feel like you're judging Tony by the same criteria that you've judged past ones. True, by. but they're I mean, guests. Tony's here every week, week in, week out, <laughs> and where by that I mean fortnight. We don't, we, 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 we don't own him. <laughs> We don't own him, but like Tony, you know, start a union, mate. He's paid. He gets paid in uh, Tazos <laughs> and egg sandwiches. And egg sandwiches. Tazos are really difficult to come by. Do you remember that? I think they were like free with Walker's crisps. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Literally no idea. I was going to gloss on by, mate. Yeah, I was gonna no, go, I'm going oh, to have to like, cut that and find find a way of cutting that. <laughs> okay, John. So this is, as you know, very well by now. Yeah. Act three. Yeah. Um, and in this act, for anyone that doesn't know. This is where we do the pitch. 
So I, as I said earlier, I think this is my longest written uh. pitch. So caveat-wise, it's long. There's no cold open. And the subject matter it might be... Some people might find it a little bit grim, perhaps. Okay. But let's see. So, brace yourselves. We open on a dirty, filthy skyline of scattered roofs, chimneys and grime, interspersed with spires that hint of beautiful buildings and culture within the sprawl. It's clearly London. We learn later, sometime around 1760. A time-lapse shot as evening falls and we pull down tight into a street-level view into the inky darkness of 18th century London streets. Horses and carriages have lanterns, as do occasional streets, but mostly it's dark as pitch and light is limited and spotty from flames being carried in front of gentlemen or by lights spilling out of tavern doorways and the like. Fair enough, just a little bit of context, people. England still holds on to America. East Indian trading companies on on the rise. (laughs) Good, this is good. Yeah. I'm glad. I love a bit of wider yeah, context. Yeah. This is clearly, yeah. France hasn't fallen to um, the revolutionaries yet. Mm-hmm. Or risen, depending on how you look at it. Well, so that sets the scene. <laughs> That's all we need um, Down an alleyway, behind a workhouse, through a crooked wooden door and up four flights of tightly crammed rooms full of people struggling to get by, is a single small room lit by candlelight. Here we meet 12-year-old Fielding, a young boy living with his grandmother. Attending Fielding's grandmother is a kindly middle-aged gentleman called Tom Nero, a doctor, indeed a surgeon, but a friend of Fielding's deceased parents and thus a friend to the remaining family of two, Fielding and his grandmother. In this early scene, we learn that this gentleman, Tom Nero, has helped set up the Brown Rig Sanctuary with a group of other esteemed London dignitaries and public figures. Similar to London's Foundling Hospital, its aim is to help London street children, the orphaned and the destitute to give them a safe haven, education, and support to adulthood. We also get some context to Fielding and how he has essentially been raised by his grandmother for the last five years after his parents went missing in London, assumed murdered, having last been seen leaving an event with a Link Boy. Yeah, wow. Link Boys, for anyone that didn't hear the Will of the Wisp episode, Link Boys are children, boys, that would hang around basically in London on streets carrying torches, flame torches. And you would hire them to light the way home because London was so, just so dark. Yeah. And it was incredibly dangerous. It was full of... Yeah. And we were also was. a good, what, eight years before Robert Peel changes the entire police force. So not much law enforcement. You got nothing. The Bow yeah. Street runners are around, but yeah. I'll come on to that. But that's it. Many There's nothing. There is no, interests. There is basically no police yeah. of, any, of any kind. So, parents assumed murdered, having last been seen leaving an event with a link boy. Him and his grandmother are just barely scraping by on the last of the savings left by his grandfather and his grandma's health has not been too rude lately. Uh. The movie starts to warm up when Fielding is out on an errand by himself, which is not common, but his grandma wasn't feeling well enough. He ends up accidentally being out longer than planned and night falls. We get a series of spooky scenes here. London at night at that point is essentially entirely unlit. And so the only lights outdoors are lanterns and torches, the latter carried by Link Boys, children. And besides these scattered and very localised spots of light, the city is pure darkness. Yeah. Thus, variously we get Fielding trying to navigate his way home via landmarks, avoiding criminals and ne'er-do-wells. And I'm thinking, like, shots from his height, the height of a 12-year-old. You know, capes and carriage wheels and confusion, stuff flying in the face. We get an intro as to what Link Boys are, to some degree, as Fielding tries to follow, stroke borrow, Mm. 
light from them as they light the way home for paying patrons. Though this too is full of risk as the people react to him like he's trying to rob them, and he's threatened, attacked, and variously scared by things. Perhaps a thug tries to grab him from the darkness and he flees blindly into the night. Eventually, Fielding makes it back to the safety of his grandma's one-room hovel, which he explains to him about the things he's seen having been out for the first time after dark. She gives him and us the context, explaining Link Boys a bit more, yeah. and giving us a spooky and scary view of London, sort of indirectly. Yeah. But it's kind of like, uh, you know, she's like, where have all the good people gone? I'm doing a voice yeah. that she wouldn't have, right? Well, that's but if, like, true. Where have all the good people gone? It's just wheeler dealers, hoodlums, gangs, and street yeah. thieves. Where it's not upper class and their wealth and protection, servants and lamp carriers. People lately starting to be afraid of even staying out late enough to, to take link boys. They used to sometimes get robbed, that's true. But recently, folk, never being heard of again. Sold for autopsy, maybe, nobody knows. Oh. But the link boys is just children. They're saying there's a man with yellow eyes called Glim Jack. But I don't take no notice of them stories if I were you. But you just be sure you stay home after dark and don't be going near any of them children neither. Something's not right with them. Once it was, we said that they took your parents, God bless their soul. But how could just young ones do such a thing? This Glim Jack is behind it. You run from them yellow eyes you hear. If you see him, you run. So she sort of... <laughs> and... Scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's that thing where she's Judy kinda, Dench would smash that. I wanted to do that thing where she's like the kindly grandma kind yeah. of like trying to allay his fears, but actually mm. without realising it, she kind of starts to get fretful herself yeah. and starts to give away her own yeah. misgivings about shit. So actually ends up being quite creepy. Yeah, definitely. I'm suitably creeped out. I was thinking, and you'll see why at the very end, but you know, in a full film, you might actually have in this part of the movie some sort of flashback to the parents being killed and a bit more context around that. But anyway, after all that initial setup, we come back to Grandma one afternoon receiving her medicine again from Tom Nero before heading out with Fielding on an errand. In the bustle of the streets, they turn down a quiet set of side alleyways on their way home. As they're about halfway down one, Fielding stops to pet a stray cat. It hisses suddenly and darts off. As Fielding writes himself and looks in the direction of where the cat hissed, he sees a dishevelled, pale boy standing stock still in the middle of the alley about 20 foot from him, expressionless and with semi-reflective silver glaze in his eyes. For an instant, we see some sort of shadowy black wings emanating from his back, but it's so fast it's difficult to be sure. Just then, Grandma's hand lands on Fielding's chest, as she gurgles for him to run away before falling to her knees and then face first into the ground. As Fielding looks up from his grandma's body, the boy is gone, as if he'd never been there, but like the shadowy wings, there's a brief trace of two yellow eyes where the boy had been. Shit. Act 1 thus ends with Fielding's grandma dead, and unable to provide rent, he's chucked out of the room that they've shared and he's left all alone in the world and on the streets. Shit. Oh, Fielding, Fielding, Fielding. What are you going to do, lad? What are you going to do? Well, we're going to find out. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Join us next week. Uh, No, I'm (laughs) kidding. Act two, then. In act two, we find a homeless and quickly becoming destitute Fielding. There are a number of scenes here, which might be done as some sort of amalgam or a montage, but regardless, it covers about a week in terms of timeline, and it runs as follows. Kicking off with a scene where a well-dressed man is offering to take Fielding home, give him a good meal and a clean-up, and and Fielding is accepting, they're intercepted by two Link boys. They essentially rescue Fielding from a potential assault, as they know that that gentleman is a nonce who harms street kids. 
They wouldn't have called them a nonce. No, of course. Don't know what they called them back in the day, but... Just um, gentlemen, I guess. You and I would recognise them as yeah. a nonce in today's yeah. parlance. Part um, of the aristocracy. <laughs> this is how we meet Casey and Mouse. Ah. The, the latter is a nickname. It's just what people call him. He can't even remember his given name. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anyone called Casey. <laughs> the two Link boys, 10 and 12 respectively, are orphans living under bridges by day and providing light for coin at night. Uh-huh. They take Fielding to their camp for shelter and comparative safety because he's just sleeping on wherever yeah. he can on the street or to try not to sleep, frankly. So to comparative safety, and we get to see a camp of almost refugee-like children, all gaunt and tattered, many bloodied and beaten, and some completely zoned out. In the darker corners, we see a group of silver eyes peering silently out of the shadows. Casey and Mouse warn about those ones. They've seen the man with the yellow eyes. You're not the same if that happens to you. Don't know what's worse. What them blokes on the street will do to you, or what Glim Jack does to you. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Very creepy. <laughs> we also get some scenes with Fielding on the job, as so, you know, he's trying to be yeah. a link boy now, because he's got met these people. Uh, so on the job as a link boy for the first time, alongside Casey and Mouse. And we variously get scenes where we see a link boy being beaten by adults, Oof. alongside frequent casual violence meted out on them by their patrons as well as another Link boy being dragged screaming behind a clanging iron door and no one seeing him again, and so Fuck on and so yeah, forth. No. So you got to remember at the time, these kids, you know, you yeah, literally people would just take them yeah. and do horrible things to them and kill them, yeah, and did. there's no recourse. Yeah, yeah. You know, no one's going to help yeah. them. Yeah, and you've got like um, King George going slightly mad on his phone, there's no leadership, really. It's all falling Love apart. the big picture stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> all about the big picture, right? <laughs> So basically, what, what I wanted to do here was you get a series of scenes in Act 2 where he's trying to become a Link boy. He's sort of working the street with these kids. He's not getting any jobs himself, but this, you're seeing everything through his yeah. eyes and you're seeing the horrific shit that happens on a daily basis to these yeah. kids. Terrible. Um, and you're getting that also context through the back and forth with his friends and then back at the camp yeah, and yeah. stuff. So this is all being seen whilst they're on the job. Only lit by torchlight, remember, because their job is at night in this yeah. dark London with no lighting. It's a job for anybody, they provide the light. So all of this horrible stuff that we're seeing is only lit by torchlight, otherwise it's inky darkness. So it's eerie as hell. And anything that needs verbal explanation is done by Casey and Mouse, but I think you could do a lot of Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm with you. So at one point Fielding is on his own, waiting to see if he'll get a job when he's surrounded, manhandled dragged down an alley and beaten by a gang before being threatened by them to bring his next client down this alley for them, or else they'll take yeah. his hands. So there's a kid hell. with them who's missing a hand and an eye. That's another thing, Link Boys. What again? What can he do if he get now? Yeah. He, now he's gonna fucking lose his hands or yeah. die if he doesn't do that. So you've got to then do one over on your client. Then that. Yeah. Uh, it's a whole thing. So again, you know who can you turn to? Anyway. So that happens to him, but unbeknownst to the gang, obviously, they, they don't know he hasn't had a job yet and that he's uh-huh. brand new, so, so he manages to sort of edge out of that one, but it's a horrible situation. Back in the Link Boys camp, there is more talk and rumour of the man with yellow eyes. Glim Jack, that's G-L-Y-M, by the way. Uh-huh. Glim Jack, as everyone has taken to calling him, though no one can describe him. The moon cursors are the only ones to have seen him and they don't speak anymore, really, and no one bothers them. 
Fielding discovers that the moon cursors are the silver-eyed kids that he's seen in his shadows, mm-hmm. and that more and more of the street kids, link boys or otherwise, are turning into these sil- silver-eyed moon cursors, and no one knows what's happened to them. So there's some dialogue to this effect. It used to be that you just had to be careful of the men. They're the ones who will really hurt you, and sometimes people will just never come back. And even if they do, they're not the same. But this is something else. You know, just yeah. to really fucking set you on edge. So it's like, there's a real horrible thing. Yeah. And then there's something even worse than that that we can't Fuck even yeah. identify. Anyway, finally, Fielding gets his first paying customer one night. Just a proper paying customer and no funny business. And he celebrates by spending his coin on bread to share with Casey and Mouse. However, when he gets back to the camp, Mouse has still not returned and Casey thinks he's probably dead. Though he's incredibly stoic about it because this is just life for them. Yeah. Mouse, however, does eventually return, and though bloodied and broken, he's still all there. He won't speak of what happened, but Casey whispers to Fielding that he's just glad it wasn't the man with the yellow eyes before he turns back to comfort Mouse. On a fresh evening, we follow Fielding as he has a narrow and scary escape from a customer who tries to bundle him into his house at the end of a journey. A decent-seeming gentleman contrives a scenario where he needs to get money from inside the house and tries to con Fielding inside. But as Fielding is stepping across the threshold, a screaming bloodied child comes thumping down onto the atrium floor behind the patron, breaking bones in the process, basically falling from floors above, just straight down onto the floor, uh, scrabbling to get up through the clearly incredible pain and slipping in blood on unstable limbs. He shrieks for help as the patron turns back to Fielding, snarling, and tries to grab and pull him inside. From here, Fielding flees into the night. Pretty grim. Yeah. Having roved the streets at random after escaping from his would-be attacker, he finally recognises where he is, and he works his way towards a well-dressed gentleman in front of the Old Bailey Courthouse, hmm? surrounded by a number of other legalistic-looking gentlemen. He begs for their help and understanding with regards to what's happened to him and to link what's happening to Link Boys in general, because don't forget, he's relatively new to this yeah so although his life wasn't exactly rosy before Mm. uh it was nowhere near this and so there's still that sense of like how can anyone let this happen sort of thing so he's sort of appealing to people's better nature and we're still in the relatively early days of the printing press so there's not a lot of news being shared right no no one sort of like telling everybody else what's going on on the streets pretty much um so anyway he basically help and understanding with regards to what's happened to him the gentlemen shove him away, but he falls to the feet of what turns out to be Tom Nero, mm. his grandmother's former doctor. Well, actually, friend of the family, but yeah. doing the doctory duties. Nero's been looking for him ever since he heard of the grandmother's death and tells Fielding to come to the Brown Rig Sanctuary and they'll all be looked after there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, which, I'm not sure about Nero at this point. Which is like an incredible glimmer of hope at this point for yeah. the kid and his poor yeah. friends. Sleepless and knackered, but fueled by this promise of sanctuary and a semblance of a normal life again, Fielding finally finds his way back to the Link Boys camp, only to find it wrecked and deserted. It looks like it had been attacked or something. There's blood everywhere and bits of what looks like flesh. Oof. Near the centre of the that camp. That is child's flesh for anybody <laughs> listening. Um, well, near the centre of the camp, there appears to be a number of adult bodies laid out in a very specific pattern with a number of evenly spaced burning pyres, most of which are still smouldering. Almost an actual relief at this point. Oh, sorry, it's only the wizened flesh of adults. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not the supple flesh of the young. (laughs) 
As Fielding gets closer to the bodies, it's a horror show. He gets closer still out of a morbid sense of curiosity and to try and make some sense of what he's looking at. You would want to get a good eye You want to... Yeah. What is that? You um, wouldn't want to walk away with, with a load of, like, doubts. Also, and... is it people I know? Like, yeah. you know... Uh, anyway, it appears that these bodies have been opened up and their organs laid out around them in a pattern, but not severed. However, they mm. are staked to the ground in places and burnt in other places. And their chests are split wide open with the skin of flesh pulled back and pinned open, almost like an anatomical dissection. I bet Fielding's pleased that he saw that. <laughs> it's at this point that he realises they're still alive. Oof. As one moves its lidless eyes in his direction and gurgles something unintelligible but full of pain from his jawless, skinless face. Oh god, he's been through the ring, isn't he? Fielding runs screaming. No, fair enough. I mean, I'm with him on that. For the second time in the last 12 hours. <laughs> He's going to be knackered, isn't he? He's going to sleep <laughs> He's well tonight. He's a fit young man. i tell you what, he's a fit young man, if nothing else. Um. <laughs> proper fit. <laughs> uh. <laughs> in, he's properly fit. Yeah, it still sounds bad. still sounds bad when you say it slower and with more emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so, we're drawing the, to the end of Act 2 here. Okay. We find Fielding on the corner... So we pick up with Fielding after he's fled that fucking horror. Yeah. We find him on the corner opposite the corner that he knows Mouse and Casey work in the evening. So it's mm-hmm. like a crossroads and he's on the opposite. Yeah. As he waits for dusk to fall, a man approaches and asks if he's working. Not yet, he replies, readying himself. But it turns out this gentleman is genuine and asks if he'll be there in an hour after dark when his business is finished. Fielding's a bit surprised at this, and the man basically gives us the exposition that something has been going on the last few nights. Yeah. And last night especially, a lot of known prominent people either appear to have disappeared or have been found in various bits. And this corner is one of the last seemingly safe corners of Link Boys, you know, that he's aware of. And at that, he flips the coin at Fielding and walks off towards a nearby building. Idly looking around as it becomes properly black, we're still with Fielding. Yeah. We see links. That, that's the torches that they carry. Yeah. That's why they're called link boys. The, the mm-hmm. torches they carry are called links. We see links suddenly burst into life on the corner opposite. And there's a small group of link boys. It's almost as if they appeared out of nothing. I mean, you got to remember it. Dusk and then fucking yeah. dark black. Pitch and black, then yeah. boom, suddenly these lights. But, yeah. you know, we're not... It's something not right about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because where we, where we feel then we see the whole thing. We're like, that's fucking yeah. unusual. <laughs> um... <laughs> Raise an eyebrow. Oh, at the very least. At the very least. So, yes, yeah, a small group of Link Boys. It's almost as if they appeared out of nothing. And as Fielding tries to focus on them, we get the distinct impression of black wings fluttering in the darkness just outside the light of the links. So you've got to remember, again, you're only going to be seeing, like, heads and shoulders of folk yeah. in this flame light. You're not getting a huge... Yeah. You know, it's not like street lighting. Just heads and shoulders, not knees and toes. <laughs> not knees and <laughs> there toes. There you go. Fielding sees that Casey and Mouse are there and runs to them. Yeah. Asking where they've been, only to be told sullenly that the man with the yellow eyes came to the camp last night when he was away, and they both got the silver shine in their eyes. Wow. Not Mouse. Moon cursed. Act three, then. Oh, wow. Okay. As dawn breaks, Fielding is found huddling with his now mentally distant friends. He's telling them about Tom Nero, the doctor, and how he's offered them sanctuary at this place on the edge of London. And he's pulling the scruffy piece of note paper with the address on from his pocket. But it's all a little deflating for Fielding, as you can understand. Of course. Because this has all seemed like such good news until his friends met Glim Jack and are now moon-cursed. Yeah. 
Determined, however, he tries to get more than monosyllabic answers or responses from them, and he's trying to find out what really happened. The best we understand is that a group of men came collecting, as they okay. call it, to the camp. It's happened before, and none of those children were ever seen again, but something happened this time. The Mooncursed children showed them how to give themselves to Glim Jack, and in that moment they had the power to defend themselves. And that's pretty much all we get. I like that. I like that a lot. Pretty much all we get from these kids before they go. Turn the tables and the nonsense. Go all kind of gooey eyed again. Silver eyed. Anyway, we pick up again with the group as they approaching a vast walled complex with a single heavy iron studded wooden door set into a wall that goes on and on out of sight. Above the door, it says in heavy iron lettering, Brown Rig Sanctuary for the Destitute. What we get next is essentially a series of scenes where the boys are met by representatives of Tom Nero and led through a succession of corridors and buildings. As we go, things start to look more and more suspicious. It's not nice. It's Hmm. grim and grimy inside, with what looks like long rows of cells with iron doors. Shit. And there are noises too. Moaning and what sounds like it might be a distant scream. Fielding, clearly uneasy, looks to the other two for reassurance but they remain blank-eyed and expressionless. Eventually, there's a staircase that leads to another corridor that is better lit, Mm -hmm. and approaching at the far end is a doorway with a dark wood door hanging ajar and light pouring out of the gap. In the room, they're presented to Tom Nero, who sat behind a huge desk in a sumptuously finished room with an open fire burning in the corner. He's living well. He's doing all right. In this scene... What initially starts as mildly euphoric and and a sense of relaxation of having reached Tom Nero Mm. slowly becomes apparent that all is not quite what it seemed. Firstly, the room is oddly adorned. On the mantelpiece are what appears to be a row of children's skulls. Wow. And as the camera pans around... I mean, is is oddly adorned the right term for that? I mean, if if this studio was oddly adorned, I would think, (laughs) oh, maybe it's just got like some like Japanese art because it's just a bit strange <laughs> if you had child schools I'd have been a bit like that's a bit weird it makes it? you feel better let's say that they're in like bell jars oh, oh fine so you go oh it must be some sort of medical thing oh he's just got heads in bell jars <laughs> some sort of anatomical thing yeah. you gotta remember this is early days of uh, surgery yep. anatomical experimentation yep. body snatching all that kind of stuff and in this world of like Netflix and Twitter we're a bit soft and we see a child school we just go to pieces. Yeah, exactly. They're all a bit harder in these times. Yeah, yeah. They're like, child school, yeah, I'll eat yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a bit of child school. <laughs> you going to finish that? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so child skulls. <laughs> um, as the camera pans around, we see huge glass jars with what looks like limbs in brine. Oof. There's also a lot of surgical equipment on a desk in the corner. And this might be a bit much. Next to that, what appears to be a child's face stretched to dry like leather wow. on a small desktop tanning rack contraption. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Let's see where we go. We <laughs> yeah, guys, it could all be fun. Yeah, we see exactly. It could all just be innocent. Yeah. We see that at the same time as Fiel- well, sorry, we see this at the same time that Fielding sees this. So it's yeah. like. It, you, it's that kind of like panning shot where things yeah. get worse and worse the more you yeah. look around, right? It yeah, starts yeah. with the skulls and it just gets worse and worse and worse. It ends with the fucking yeah, yeah. tanning rack face. So the audience is going, he's, he's a doctor. He's De- a fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, why yeah. does he need a face? Yeah, yeah. They're in, they're in bell jars. Yeah, what can he learn from a face? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're all asking that with Fielding all at the same time. Where are we, where are we? 
Yeah, in addition, and though I'm not writing it out here, Tom Nero reveals that he had had... Basically, we get a slow, horrible reveal of visually and then from the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. Because Tom Nero reveals that he's had his eye on Fielding ever since his parents died, and he Mm. took the opportunity to test one of his nerve agents out on his grandma. Essentially, Essentially revealing that he killed his grandma in order to get him here to basically... To nonsense. I'm going to come out and say it. He's a bastard. Yeah. I don't, I don't like him. I think you're being a bit generous even. But don't worry. You're all right. You're all right. Basically, he reveals his what he's done. And uh, Casey and Mouse look to Fielding and in their apathy, two burly men grab Fielding under the arms and taking direction from Nero as to where to take him, pull him towards the doors out of the room. Shit. As Fielding is pulled, screaming from the room, and Casey and Mouse are lifted and pulled in the same way by other blokes, yeah. we see a glimpse of two yellow eyes watching Fielding in his panic, and Fielding sees them too, ah, just hanging like in the air behind Tom Nero as the doors close. So Tom Nero at this point is just your common garden psychopathic nonce. We don't know. All we oh. know is that those yellow eyes appeared behind yeah. him as we were dragged down. It might be eyes, it might be his eyes. We, don't, be we just don't know. Eyes. We're a bit, we're like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, we've seen a face, we've seen yeah. burly men. So we find ourselves with the protagonists in a grim situation as we cut between each of them separately. Each of them is stashed independently in a small grim cell. So they're all in individual yeah. cells. Lit only by a sliver of candlelight from the hallway through a slit in the door. Fielding is in tears, and when we cut to Casey and Mouse, we see them sitting passively, staring at the wall in their respective selves. Yeah. They're moon cursed. They're you know Maybe that's what that's their normal the that's their normal day. Here, Fielding basically is having his all his lost moment. Yeah. He's lost his grandma. He's lost his life. He's been thrust onto the street. He's been beaten and worse. Yeah, but he's managing to scrape out survival, only to have that hope dangling in front of him in the form of friends, and then this sanctuary, and then he's got them both taken away. Yeah. His friends by Glim Jack, and they're kind of just, you know, yeah. they're fucked. And, and then his life and his freedom and his family by the betraying Tom Nero. Mm. As he sobs, he's taunted by Tom's voice from outside. Tom's mocking the children and chooses Mouse to be taken first, telling the grunts to get Fielding too so he can see what's coming. So Mouse and Fielding are dragged through more corridors, but this time they're being pulled through what looked like dungeons, with men going in and out of slamming iron doors with screams spiking and cutting, being cut off each time. All child screams? Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, young person. Yeah. I mean, it sounds horrible to say yes, yeah. but okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we aren't hearing a, oh, fucking so, hell. So, like, this is no, you know, oof, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's, that, yeah, that's going to Yeah, no, I think, it's, again, though, I mean, if we were to write this out in script, you probably, find, it might be too much. Fair enough. But again, up for discussion. Or you, you could maybe do it, but you'd have to be very, you'd walk in a tightrope. I, I, yeah, I completely agree. Anyway, um, so the yeah, the screaming, spiking, and being cut off each time somebody goes in and out of one of these doors. Yeah. And then up through what looked like workshops with older children and teenagers on production lines, like chained to production mm. lines, before we find ourselves in a large but dark red room full of seemingly genteel and esteemed men from their dress oh, and manner. So bastards. there's like 20 odd folk all standing Proper around. Bastards. You get the idea. No. All, all with their like, you know, oh, I, martini glass or whatever. I'm furious imagining them. <laughs> Probably champagne flute rather than martini glass, yeah, but you get it. You yeah, get the idea. Bunch of fuckers. At the arrival of the boys, all the men turn with their drinks to inspect them and talk amongst themselves. And as Nero welcomes Fielding and Mouse in a mocking manner, he beckons to another grunt. Mm. That grunt pulls a cord, 
that's hanging from the ceiling, and a huge, heavy set of curtains at the back of the room draw open, revealing a semicircular amphitheatre with a surgeon's autopsy table on the stage. Oh, shit. As Fielding is restrained by these nonces... <laughs> well, he, no, nonces helpers. Nonces helpers. Yeah. He fights so hard that they break his arm intentionally oh, to subdue him, and they gloat about there being a lot worse to come. One of the big, bearded, well-dressed gentlemen approaches Nero, loudly demanding that he have the first run on this little one, gesturing Oof. to Mouse. And with Nero's acquiescence, he proceeds to inspect Mouse all over, yeah. closely with his leering face. A member of the Whig party, I bet. Commenting grotesquely on Mouse's slender frame, etc., but also his peculiarly silver eyes. Oh. Suggesting to someone else in the room he'll have to remove them later to have a proper look. Prompting laughter from a man with a white beard and a maroon coat. Fielding vomits and screams in pain as the grunts twist his broken arm. At this, the first nonce goes to touch ma- uh, Mouse for the first time. <laughs> nonce A. He can't touch Mouse, though. His hand stops dead amongst the laughter and revelry, and he can't get his hand closer than about an inch to Mouse's Ooh. head. The man's face turns red from effort. For the first time since the... It's a, it's a nonce's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. For the first time, that's the title. Um, for the first time since the night he became mooncursed, Mouse smiles. Nice. He looks up at the man, tilting his head to the side as he does so. Small shadowy black wings unfurl from nowhere on his back. Oh, lovely. The men all start shouting as they realise none of them can move. They're all frozen to the spot. Mouse's gaze shifts in the direction of the white bearded man in the maroon coat that laughed about his eyes being yep. taken out. The man shouts at Mouse before suddenly being pulled through the crowd of men by an unseen force and pulled down to Mouse's level so that he's face to face with Mouse. We hear something in his lower back break and him scream as his pelvis and legs fold out behind him in an unnatural angle nice. in order for him to yeah. match Mouse's height. Lovely. Now this, be- this next bit might be a bit much, but here's what if, I was if, thinking. If he's happened to a nonce. <laughs> Mouse pushes his hand into the man's groin his arm, his arm appears to float seamlessly through the clothing and into the flesh without hair or blood. And as the man screams, clearly feeling it all the same, Mouse pulls his hand back out to reveal two bloody testicles in his hand. Wow. The second the man sees them, Mouse clamps his mouth over one of his eyes, sucking out the eyeball out of his socket and biting it off at the stem before doing the same to the other. Oh, a bit funny. All the while the man is screaming horrifically. Mouse slams the man's scrotum into his empty eye sockets while spitting out the eyeballs before turning his gaze back on the chap who initially wanted to have his way with him. The guy's still hovering right next to him. Fantastic. Uh, his skin and clothes split neatly in two down the middle like he had an invisible zip or like a pool cord. Yeah, yeah. And each side is pulled away smooth, revealing his meaty, skinless, shaking frame. And in his shrieking, we cut away to a bird's eye view of the prison. We see the street outside full of children with silver reflective eyes and black wings in the moonlight, variously entering through the broken front door or oddly flitting over the walls. So not like flying per se, but kind of appearing and reappearing yeah, yeah, yeah. in a sort of stuttering, juddering yeah, fashion, yeah. like a sort of glitch in reality. Yeah, like a strobing effect almost. Mm. Lovely. So that sets the scene in a bit of detail, but the rest I'm going to keep very brief because it is the climax. <laughs> Mate, you've already put someone's balls up. in their eyes. <laughs> That's I mean, set the I'm, scene. That's I'm already the scene. there. <laughs> So after that scene, we're essentially cutting between Fielding, Mouse, and Casey, because they're our key protagonists, mm-hmm. and the general scenes of chaos and retribution happening around the prison yeah. stroke sanctuary. Fielding escaping the men and that bloodbath room 
Trying to unlock the cages, cells and restraints from the occupants as Casey also reappears. Similar to Mouse, he's a fucking hell demon exacting his revenge on all these abusers, wow. but with literal hell at his fingertips. The halls start to flood with demonic Link boys as well as non-demonic Link boys and girls, homeless kids and just every all, all of the destitute yeah, all basically. the furies coming out they're all flooding out all being freed by each other and many joining in with the demonic ones i imagine this to be chaotic frantic and violent and very very gory yeah however this all climaxes for the audience when fielding him finds himself cornered and alone by tom nero of all people yeah. Now drenched in blood missing an ear and much of one side of his face but definitely not drenched in sweat <laughs> but carrying a large surgical blade and vying for Fielding's blood. Yeah. It's at this moment that everything freezes, including Nero, and Glim Jack finally appears to Fielding. Eyes first. A suave gentleman in some sort of red robe, but everything fades out below the waist, so it's hard to tell. Yeah. He has a finely manicured beard and oddly sculpted hair full of small bones and glinting objects under a large hat that obscures most of his face in shadow, save for the mm. mouth and the dead black eyes surrounded by a fiery yellow haze. With a grin and a voice so deep, slow and resonant that it is deeply unnerving, yeah. he offers Fielding his wings and his agency in return for ownership of his soul. The same deal he offered all the others suffering at the hands of the yeah, abusers. Which, to be fair, it's, it's, it's the best option you're going to get. In a tense scene, Fielding refuses... And in a second, Glim Jack has disappeared and Nero is slamming the hilt of his surgical blade into Fielding's face and we fade to black. Fielding wakes in a clean-looking bed in a nice-looking room in daylight. Casey's by his side and together they walk down a corridor towards Tom Nero's office. Mm-hmm. So we're still in the sanctuary. Yeah. In our final shot, we get a wide view of the surgical amphitheatre from earlier. In all the seats are sat children of all ages many of them with silver reflective eyes. And down the front, we see four silver-eyed Link boys staring intently at the surgical table. On it lies a live and screaming Tom Nero, with his chest pinned wide open and some of his organs out, some of his limbs completely removed, and above him float two of the other men from last night in horrifically contorted positions. Surgical implements are strapped to their hands as they are operated against their will by the moon-cursed Link boys. Wow. Fielding takes it all in before leaving and just closing the door behind him. Fades to black. And there's one final scene. Yeah. The final scene of the whole movie is in is UK Parliament. Mm-hmm. It's the House of Commons. And we see an MP stand up from the crowd in the chamber. We recognise him as one of the men we saw in the sanctuary prison. Yeah. They must have escaped the slaughter somehow. He's calling with vehemence for the government to do something about gas street lighting for the city of London and to expand the Bow Street runners, even give them horses to protect good, fine, upstanding people like himself and his honourable gentlemen. They're all more and more at the mercy of gangs and link boys these days, and he demands something must be done. He looks up to the gallery, and there in the dark corner in the shadows, we see two silvery eyes of a moon-cursed child. End. Fucking hell. One final thing I was going to say, if you wanted to be really, I don't know, it probably wouldn't suit the movie, but you could have like a postscript to tie it into to, to reality, which mm-hmm. would be to say that the Bow Street Runners Horses Department was added in 1763, so mm-hmm. about a year or two after this is set. Yeah. And they're essentially the first police. And the first streetlight debuted about 40 years later, and that was the beginning of the end of Link Boys and Glim Jack. Yeah, also start of a lot of like massive public works projects, doesn't it? <laughs> There's a lot going on yeah, in the big yeah. picture. Anyway, Tony's going to need to... Tony, do you want to do the guitar? 
and the intro. Yeah, all right, boys. Well, uh, welcome back, Paul. Crack on with your bits. <laughs> thanks, Tony. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Like, simple, sweet. Yeah. It's a long pitch show. That's, that's all we needed. Fair enough. I mean, to be honest, Paulie fucked off. He's stood up to the plate. Well done. Oh, so, John. Thoughts? My favourite one so far of yours. Um, I really, I, I loved it, actually. Um, absolutely fantastic. Well, that's very um, kind of you. Oh, God. I mean, I think, I, I mean... Do you think, here's the key, the big question yeah. for me is, is it acceptable? Like, yes. because I'm dealing, I am dealing with, like, Link Boys were horrifically abused yeah. by people. So it yeah, is abuse a dark... Was, was, was part of our, of our society. Yeah, yeah. so it is, it is it's dark. It is dark subject matter, but... Link Boys are such a cool horror. Yeah. That sounds reductive or sort of simplistic. No, I know what you mean. Like, the, yeah. You know, the time that they were in, the environment that they were in, and yeah. the things that they would see, is it's like, it's just crying out for horror. Because essentially, with stuff like this kind of history, there's nothing we can do about it now. Right. Obviously, we can make our society better. Yeah. The only thing we can do about it is look upon it with horror, which is the only appropriate reaction to it. And I think that works perfectly. I would, I would say... In terms of sort of to make it workable as a, as a watchable movie, you would need to have scenes where you really build up the friendship between the three lads. Yeah. So a little bit of like standby me banter, a little bit of making the best of it. Now, you know, they're stealing apples. Yeah, right? yeah, they're yeah. They're yeah. about. Yeah. Sitting by the Thames with their No, you're right. A couple of light moments where, yeah. they, can, where they can almost almost be kids again. E- exactly but. that. I think that. And I think maybe as much as I loved a lot of the end stuff, you'd maybe have to drop a couple of them more. <laughs> I took the gloves right off. Yeah. I felt like, in a way, my, when I write these pictures, when if, there, if there's something being committed, that like a yeah. crime or something that's been committed, my mind, without even trying, just tries to proportionately yeah. punish them at yeah, the other end. Yeah, you are angry. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. like, you know, I get to the end of this movie, and I know roughly what I wanted to do. Yeah. I always knew I wanted to have the guy being dissected on the table at the end. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I think once you've got the testicles in the eyes, that's your high watermark. You almost don't want to try and beat that. Yeah. Because that is a, an amazing moment. I mean, it's, it's the most horrific thing. It took me about two weeks to be comfortable enough with the yeah. sucking out of the eyeball and the biting off of the stem because yeah. that is something like... It made me feel a little bit It's funny. fucking horrible. It is yeah. fucking horrible, but... I was listening to an interview with David Sedaris mm-hmm. yeah, and right. he referenced a book about football hooliganism where a football hooligan did that to a policeman in this country okay. for real. And honestly, I had to pause it and That's just take fucked. a moment. I thought that it was the most fucked. horrible thing I'd heard. And so I thought, well, I mean, I've got to use that. Yeah. So I had to yeah. like keep remembering it. Yeah. To, like, it's all been in vain. <laughs> right. It's like, well, I've got this perfect outlet for the yeah, most horrible I stuff I come across. Uh, I, I would say for that moment to sort of like, because I, I agree, I think that moment is absolutely perfect. In <laughs> in the movie, it's exactly what you need. Um, particularly with the sort of the eyes for the testicles and all Oof. the other bits and bobs of it. I think you'd almost want to make that your high watermark. Maybe bring it down a notch for the on next scenes yeah, yeah. and then land the Nero being split yeah, open. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm talking minor pacing issues. Well, look, there's a couple other I things mean, that I've written down. So the first one was, obviously, is it okay? And I think, yeah, I think so. we, we think it's probably all right. I, I mean, but, I think it's set in a time where that is undeniably the sort of tone of the society yeah. of, which, of which we lived in. Well, well, not we lived in. We aren't that old. 
I just felt like, well, it happened. Yeah. And I want to write a horror story about them. I didn't necessarily want to write it about child abuse. Yeah. I did. That wasn't the angle I went in with. But the more research I did into it, I was like, well, I can't avoid this. It's yeah. like such an integral part of their you, existence. You really can't write about pretty much the, what, 1700s to like the early 9th and early 20th century mm. without mentioning it. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. Here's yeah. the other thing I want. Uh, I, this is, I genuinely tried to do this. Mm-hmm. I tried to rewrite the film of Roald Dahl's The Witches. Oh, okay. That's what this is. Yeah, this I mean, is I my can, attempt to rewrite that. that film. Yeah, with Mouse. I think that movie stands up as a horror film in spite of it being a, a kid's film. It's very good. But what it does... Jane Horrocks. Is, what, what's so clever about the movie, at least, is that it layers isolation on isolation. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tried to do with this. So, Grandma and Son. Yeah. No other family. And yeah. Grandma's tenuous because she's mm. fucking old and frail, right? Yeah. So, already isolated... Then you've got the isolation of the sun in yep. general and children in general because yep. like in The Witches, nobody believes them. The adults won't help or can't yep. help. And the one after that is that it's a children's problem that they have to solve. They yep. can't, a bit Completely. like it as well in some cases. On top of that then, I wanted to fold in the idea of um, a little bit of stealing from The Witch. Okay. My interpretation of The End of The Witch is that the reason that her she's so keen to become a yeah. witch is that it gives her her agency what yeah. black philip offers her is everything she can't have in her own life i completely agree and there's no one going to help her no one's going to yeah. change that and the link voice situation is exactly the same yeah. nowhere to turn to no one that can help and so what happens is glim jack who you yeah. could make the devil or yeah. whoever you wanted he offers them that agency in the classic exchange I- i'm always and like they the say mo- yes yeah I'm always like reminded with this situation, and this is going to seem like a weird segue, but I think it makes sense. In the TV show The Wire, David Simon, I think, one of the creators of that show, he made a point about how if you look at the, like the communities that he was writing about, dealing drugs and the sort of lives that they choose isn't a choice made out of selfishness or laziness. It's the best option. Yes. It is a rational decision. Yeah. It's a decision anybody would make with those things in front of you. So you can't judge it by any sort of any variety yeah, of own absolutely. That is yeah, the same. Yeah, I think that completely works in this one. It's the same. Uh, so that was quite exciting. And then on top of all of that, Hogarth did a series of etchings in 1751 called The Four Stages of Cruelty, mm-hmm. which, interestingly enough, he had printed himself and handed mm. out on the streets of London because yeah. he, he felt that London was so incredibly deplorable in terms of how yeah. people behaved. Yeah, and yeah. they're really grim pictures if you if you look them up. But that's, you know, I got a few of my names from there, like Tom Nero. Tom Nero is the character in The Four Stages of Cruelty. Oh, that's cool. But the only other thing I was going to say was I wanted to do what I did with the Antikythera mechanism in Sunken yeah. Gods, which was to try and yeah. to make a false history tie perfectly yeah. into real history. One of the things I really liked with this in reference to the history side is that you had an entire sort of like class of people who basically ran the country or at least benefited the most from it, view everybody else as a kind of lesser for various reasons either they drank too much gambled too much or they had lives of vice yet they were the architects purposely it was written into law they made decisions that caused people to make choices that they made or to have no choices at all and there's something so disgusting about the idea of somebody in charge looking down on people in poverty people in desperation and yet benefiting from that position and still judging them and asking us to judge them by the same criteria it is in my mind, the nearest thing to true evil we currently have in our society. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I can totally get how you fucking go to town on them at the end because the worst thing about history is that rarely happens. Mm. It reminds me almost of like Inglorious Bastards a little bit. So there we go.
I didn't. I haven't thought of any uh, name titles, yeah. titles for it. I, I oh. meant to, but then I ran out of time. <laughs> Terrible expectations. <laughs> That's pretty good. Mm. You could call it Glim Jack. Yeah. You could call it something to do with Link Boys. <laughs> Desk Face. Desk Face. A Link in Time. <laughs> uh, you could have like Torchlight Demon or mm. the Silver Eyes of. I, don't know. I mean, torchlit boys. Does that sound a bit weird? Is that a little bit? It does sound a bit weird. For it does sound it sounds weird weirder than just link boys, which is... it does. Yeah, which again still. Sounds I mean, I'd be quite tempted to just call it the link boys. Even add a, a the in there, yeah. just because it feels like. Yeah, I like that. It feels yeah, like a sort boys. of trendy indie band name. It does. It sounds very much like a trendy indie band. Um, hello, we're the link boys. <laughs> you all know it. Sing along. <laughs> Two, three, four. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We all know the Link Boys hits. I think Paulie was in it. <laughs> Wait, what was his name? Paulie Dolly or something? Paulie Dudley. Dudley. Fuck, sorry. <laughs> he won't even listen to yeah. this. Yeah, he's been going to train back. All Disappointing. Right. <laughs> what was that? Disappointing. Disappointing. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm furious with him. Dark Wings, you could call it. It's a little <sighs> it's bit. It's a bit goth. So the the uh, I will actually just on that note. Silver this, Eyes? This, this probably sorry. Silver Eyes is a bit goth too. <laughs> Oh, incidentally, Glim Jack and Moon Cursors were nicknames for Link Boys. Oh. Yeah. I think so. Moon Cursors is pretty good. Yeah, I thought. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I call it Moon Cursors. Because it's quite inter- It's a weird name. It's interesting. Well, I quite like that. Yeah. I would say the only innocent part in this is the moon. Yeah, they've done nothing. Yeah, he's uh, completely out of it. <sighs> Bystander, though. Complicit by <laughs> complicit by lack of action. Yeah, he could arguably he stood by a lot of things. Lit lit a lot of nasty anyway, look, we're not getting into it. <laughs> Let's not have another go at the moon. The moon cursed boys. Bit wordy maybe. Moon eyed boys. Moon boys. <laughs> Alright. That's it. We'll we'll call it we'll go for the moon cursors. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I'm right. gonna hyphenate moon cursors. Yeah, go for it, mate. But I think that'll probably work. Have we have we had a hyphenated title yet? I don't think so. Ooh, so it's the first one. Ring the bell. Anyway, look, moving on. Updates to the website. Yeah. Uh, I just thought a bit of housekeeping. Of course. So you know the offer that we had on uh, the launch of the website. Yeah. And was kicking off the eggs. Eggs home delivery. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it was called Hello Eggs. Mm-hmm. And that was largely because we were trying to trade off the popularity of HelloFresh. Yeah, and also you couldn't use the word fresh. Right. That was a big stipulation. We never claimed to even yeah. be fresh. So we're rebranding. So we've rebranded. Uh, we're now called Fuck Off Eggs. <laughs> Just because we had a bit more punch in the... Yeah, that does. The, we, we knocked it around in the team a you, bit. Yeah, you're really, you're really going for kind of like a real younger market now. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Like yeah, like incredulous. Yeah. Fuck off eggs. Yeah. Aww. Like just unbelievable. They Fuck come in, what, they eggs. come all this time. Yeah. And, and, and it's anyway, that's... I mean, these I'm eggs not, think they are. I don't need to explain the branding, yeah. the thinking behind the branding, yeah. but you know, that's yeah. so, but it's important that we cover all the channels. Of course. Just let everyone know it's fuck off eggs. Hello eggs is now fuck off eggs. Yep. On top of that though, we've got a new product announcement. We're doing Ooh. raspberry eggs and we're working on cola eggs. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, hard-boiled cola eggs. How did you get the chicken to drink it? <laughs> no. That's a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a classic misunderstanding. Oh, I assume, because, yeah. The chicken is pregnant with the egg, and then we drown the chicken in the coke ah, before it lays the egg. Oh, never thought of that. That's not the full process, but yeah. obviously I can't tell you that it's trade secret. Cola yeah. eggs, though, big big deal, coming soon. Kids so are going to love them. We'll look out for that. 
My kids love cola flavoured stuff and they're all right about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to get them to eat their eggs. I mean, look, cola is a very sort of loose term you'll find if you, if you if <laughs> it's, dig, it's, if it's you brown dig into and it. <laughs> but look, let's not get into the nitty gritty, isn't it? Let's yeah. fall for it on the website. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, try to update on that. We've had quite a lot of people getting in touch about the podcasters podcaster, so that's mm-hmm. that's really good. Yeah, it's taken off. Bob Schlorfendal, obviously was a was an absolute gem. Oh Bobby S. To take editorial control of the first episode. Yeah. Just a lovely man. Yeah, he's very, really, very, very kind. Huge hands. <laughs> yeah. He's actually in not a lot of people know this, but he's actually in the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah. He's got the biggest left hand <laughs> in the world. I mean, I've heard it said that he's more hand than man these days. <laughs> Um, Still won't shake your hand though, which is really in your benefit. Because <laughs> it will. I've got to say, I yeah, yeah, big concerns about the old <laughs> handshake there. I use my right hand for all kinds of things. You do all you kinds do. of things, mate. You're always enjoying flipping it. coins. Yeah, um, scratching my head, drowning chickens, pointing at things. It gets. Oh. I I mean, if you were to look at a pie chart yeah. of usage, yeah, I reckon pointing at things is over fifty. percent You are one of history's classic pointers. <laughs> So jump on the website, I guess. Rate and review us on iTunes. Rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Please mm-hmm. do do that. Um, Always welcome. You can email us your feedback to my pitch or any of the previous yep. pictures to let's make a horror movie at gmail.com. Visit the website let's yep. make a horror movie.com at lmahmpods on yep. Twitter. Or I'm always and, doing summit. Come and see us on Instagram. Bible teasers. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we we get a penny for each teaser. <laughs> cool. I think that's it then, John. So yeah, I think that's it. Thanks it? everybody for your ears. Thanks for joining us. Well done for making it this far. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Let's make a horror movie, everyone. Oh, that sounded weird. Let's make a horror movie, everyone. <laughs> uh, uh.